Women's Health Melbourne is an innovative, holistic fertility and women's health practice. We are world leaders in IVF and egg freezing and provide our patients with every opportunity to achieve their goals. Our hand-picked expert team provides the ultimate care experience for our patients. Reach us at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au and follow us at Women's Health Melbourne and at Dr Rayleigh Alou. And welcome to Knocked Up, the podcast about fertility and women's health. You are joined, as always, by me, Geordie Morrison, and Dr. Rayleigh Alou, CREI Fertility Specialist. Today's episode is part of our Personalising PCOS series, and we are joined by Georgia Borowski, the naturopath at Women's Health Melbourne. Welcome, Georgia. Thank you for having me. Georgia, we work together in so many ways, but in this topic of personalising PCOS, I wanted to ask you about how we can support women with PCOS from the point of view of naturopathy. And I guess there's different stages in a woman's life where different things are important to her. And a lot of the time when I see a woman with PCOS, it's to help them get pregnant. But women with PCOS have a range of different issues. And I think it's really worthwhile talking about how they might kind of gain control over some of the symptoms that they might have at different stages of their life. One thing that really adversely affects someone's self-esteem, often with PCOS, is when they have outbreaks of acne and breakouts that are hormonal and difficult to control. And not everyone wants to take heavy-duty medications or be on contraception. What's your insight into how a woman with PCOS might more naturally manage her symptoms? Yeah, it's such a great question and it's a very broad question also because I like the topic, you know, personalising PCOS. Every woman will present differently depending on her circumstances and the symptoms will be slightly different. When it comes to acne, that's obviously something that is quite a common thing in women who have PCOS and we'll be looking at it from multiple different angles. We'll always look at it in terms of what is their cycles doing? Are they ovulating every month? Are they having a period every month? And how their sort of hormonal fluctuations and whether or not that's sort of in a normal kind of spectrum. And often in, with women with PCOS, those cycles tend to be quite a lot longer and more erratic. So that's definitely one big component that I'll always look at. But there will be women who come in who will have slightly more regular, maybe, you know, just slightly longer than average, more like, you know, somewhere between 35 and 40 or or that some months they're more like the 28, 30 days and then the next month they'll be longer. And so we'll always look at whether or not there's a hormonal component to their acne. And then, of course, there'll be other things that will contribute as well that we always look at what is their diet like? What's their digestion like? How are they eliminating? What are they, you know, are they using their bowels every day? Are they sweating things out? How is their body processing everything? And so really kind of looking at, for them, what might be the major contributors to, let's say, acne, which is really common in PCOS. So that would be one big component. In terms of 
managing these symptoms non-hormonally, mm-hmm. how would you approach that? You mean like if somebody was on the pill already and they came to see me or... Or if they're not on anything. Yeah, if Let's they're not on anything. Let's just say they're not on anything. Or, or maybe they've been on the pill and they want to stop being on the pill but they're really scared that they're going to lose control of things like skin symptoms because oh I think that's gosh. quite common. It's like really one of the most common things that I see a lot of in clinic is exactly what you're talking about and I have a lot of people sort of say to me I'm desperate to come off the pill but last time I came off the pill my cycles just were all over the place and my skin was so bad that I literally had to go back on it like within six weeks of coming off it I had to go back on it just to get my skin back under control and so there's a lot of things that naturopathy can do to help support that so first of all herbal medicine is always something that I use a lot of when it comes to PCOS and skin things because we know that herbs have phytoestrogenic activity and and can really help to rebalance what's going on and try and sort of support that balance of the progesterone and estrogen and making sure that they are having a regular cycle and ovulating so we can really use herbs in that way to help to balance hormones and then nutrition is a huge component in that because we look for sort of aggravating foods that might be aggravating and and making the skin worse. And also, as I said, a really big thing is like what their digestion is doing. And that will come into play in terms of how they are removing what their body doesn't need. So the hormones that they might have too many of, and are they excreting and getting rid of what is sort of circulating in their blood and having it not recirculate, but actually removing it really efficiently. And also you're really supporting the gut microbiome so that it can do its job also to detoxify and make sure that particularly that oestrogen is being excreted and removed out of the body so that it doesn't cause all of these problems and become that really typical PCOS, you know, picture where the high androgens having a lot of, you know, the skin will be a big issue in, in that regard. So really focusing on supporting the gut supporting digestion and making sure that their bowels are working really well and all that sort of detoxification pathways and then utilising herbs to really make sure that we really give it the best chance of like moving things through faster. So diet alone can be obviously really, really supportive but using herbs as well, I feel like it really makes things move quicker. That's where I really love to use herbs in my practice because I feel like it can speed up the process where the diet alone can sometimes take a little bit longer to improve things like acne and and skin things that are really common post-pill or just in PCOS situations. You mentioned acceleration. Yeah. What else can they do? When I'm looking at making up a mixture for somebody or looking at using different formulas, might look at herbs that are really going to help with digestion and liver support and those will be different herbs to the herbs that I would think about using when it comes to supporting more hormonal balance. You sort of look at herbs in terms of the class that they are used in so there are herbs that we like use a lot for liver like something like a St Mary's thistle and then there are herbs that are you know have been traditionally used for a long time to help with hormonal balance and then things that will improve digestion. So we'll really look at it in terms of the categories and herbs will work in different ways. And so when it comes to personalising treatment, two people might come in and really need very different things. One of them might be very obviously 
in need of like serious digestion and liver support to really help that process and, and remove things more efficiently. And then for other women who have PCOS, but let's say less of those more overt symptoms, but rather they're just not getting their period regularly and have multiple cysts and have are starting to show the signs, or maybe on a blood test they'll still show signs of insulin resistance or higher androgens but are not having so much of the physical symptoms externally but rather just more not getting their period so regularly, we'll look at more hormonal support because those women might still be efficiently doing what their body's meant to be doing but it might be an, another component. So we'll focus more on herbs that are supporting their hormone balance more so, let's say, than the sort of detoxification and digestive pathways. So really we'll look at how the presentation of each patient is in order to work out what the best sort of formula for them is. Nutrition is probably a little bit more broad spectrum in terms of that we really focus on high protein, lots of vegetables, lots of fibre, really you know, cutting out sugar and reducing carbohydrates whereas I feel like the herbal formulas will be probably more specific to the individual and nutrition will be a little bit more broad and and a PCOS diet will be able to sort of cover most people's needs. With the herbs, it's a little bit more individualised, I'd say. Georgia, sometimes when patients come to our practice and they want to see Dr Sippy Ben-Harim or myself for assistance from a medical perspective with ovulation induction sometimes it takes a little bit of time to get a medical appointment I always advise that it's still really worthwhile to come in and engage with our allied health team of which you're a very special member how you might approach someone who is in that situation they they think they might need to see a doctor they haven't yet seen one of us and they're not ovulating regularly they want to get pregnant how can we help them in, in that time? Because diet and lifestyle changes are so important. Herbal medicine changes are so important, but they, t- they do take time. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, time is always a big topic of conversation when we discuss fertility. I'm very respectful of people's choices in terms of, you know, whether they feel that they don't have much time and they really want to just move and do things really quickly. And there are certainly things that that you know if you are doing ovulation induction and and treating people with medications you know a lot of nutrients that i can use to help support for example their blood sugar and insulin and try and improve their insulin sensitivity you know we've had these conversations before you you know are you comfortable with me doing this while you're doing that and there's a lot of conversation in the clinic like, to make sure that patients are able to be taking medication and that what i do helps to support that but i think in terms of time you know, it's a very personal thing. And when we have women who are into, the, into their 40s trying to um, have children and they really don't want to waste any time, I feel like what I do, I guess, is more of an assistance rather than the main, the main game. And that, I think, can be still extremely helpful in terms of making sure that things like, even if it's inositol, magnesium, things that we know really help to support blood sugar that 
we can it, it's not going to impact with what the work that you do whereas i feel like if somebody is willing to give things 3 or 4 months before they step into your office often they will step in still step into your office but in a different place and all of that work that they've been doing in terms of improving their diet even things little things like when i say to my patients i just want you to try and walk for 10 minutes after each meal, things like that, that we know are going to help that they just maybe had never been told before. And then I feel like they're entering your realm in a really healthy place. They will be able to say to you, I've been exercising more. Maybe I've lost a little bit of weight. George has put me on these sort of nutrients and you'll know how to, you know, that there's a very, um, a lot of communication between making sure that there's no negative overlap with what we're doing. And I think there's a lot of positive overlap. Yes. Because when patients come to me sometimes and they've failed ovulation induction um, when they've previously tried it in another scenario, often it's because they've been given a regimen of medications as a standalone idea in a very textbook way. And one of the advantages I have as a CREI is I've really studied a lot of the mechanisms behind things and I don't necessarily follow the recipe book to make a plan for a patient. I do individualised care. I'm not frightened to push boundaries. And so I don't necessarily give one dose, if that doesn't work, another dose, if that doesn't work, another dose, and call it quits of medications. You know, often we can use different things in different dose strengths that aren't necessarily textbook. We can use different combinations of therapies. I always feel, particularly with ovulation induction, that women have a threshold that they need to overcome And that threshold may be something they can overcome themselves completely naturally through diet and lifestyle, or it may be that even if they try all of these things to help them and they're still below that threshold and they do need me to pull the trigger to help them to ovulate, we're getting them closer to that threshold. So it's going to be easier for me. It's going to be easier to use medications successfully, and they're going to get their outcome more successfully. You just reminded me when you were talking of a patient actually that we shared who was working with me for about five months and who recently did ovulation induction with you successfully and that it hadn't been as successful previously. It just makes me so happy and I feel like it's exactly that situation that you're talking about. Like maybe had she gone on with me for another six months, we would be in the same place. But I feel like, you know, with age and and everybody's needs being different and I think that it was just the most perfect scenario of just feeling like I was able to really help get her to a certain place that then what you were able to do with her had such success and... I feel like it's a very exciting place to be where you have patients being really empowered by the changes that they're making, but also with this incredible medicine that we have in order to actually make very significant changes that we wouldn't have been able to do however long ago. And it feels like patients really have the best of both worlds. And I think what you said about time being very different for different people is so true. And I think that young women who haven't been trying for all that long have a lot to benefit from you know really focusing on getting their bodies into a more harmonious balance uh, and not losing opportunities by taking time and as women do get older and particularly also just from a psychological 
point of view when women have been trying for a long time already without help, that burden of, of time unrealised, goals unrealised can really play on somebody. And I think also women start thinking about spacing of children and when they have their next baby, how that might affect future pregnancies or age gaps between children also. So there's so many complicated pieces to the puzzle for every person and it is very different woman to woman. I agree. Everybody has their own idea of what they need for themselves and we really just are there to support them and make sure that they, uh, you know, that we're giving them the best care because people have a very strong ideas for themselves of what they need and when they need it and it's never, you know, going to be my place to tell them either way. I feel like they need to come to things on their own and help facilitate whatever they want for themselves. When you're seeing someone about their PCOS and you're making changes to their lifestyle and diet with them and giving them herbs, what do you notice? What what would someone notice when they're coming to see you in terms of improvements? Yeah. Some of the most exciting things that I get excited by will be when somebody's cycle that has been really long starts to shorten. So when somebody's cycles are sort of, let's call it 40, 50 days, and then, you know, you start seeing some regularity and it's getting shorter. So they're coming and it's like their period starts coming more like every 35 days or, you know, and creeping into what is the more ideal scenario of you know, somewhere between, let's call it 26 and 35 days, rather than it being a 50-day cycle. So I feel like that's really exciting when people come back to me sort of a few months after taking herbs and making some changes and their cycles have shortened. That's one way that we sort of start to really feel that things are shifting in a positive direction. Obviously, when it comes to the more overt, like, skin sort of things, people often report like, oh, you know, this month I had less um, of those, you know, deep cystic pimples on my chin and or if they had it on their back and I've, I've had much less or none on my back, I've still got a few on my chin. But I feel like you start to, those skin symptoms are something that usually within, I would say, some, some people it's much quicker, but usually within 8 to 12 weeks, uh, like there's a huge difference. So that's a very exciting change because of how people look is something that they feel represents them and when they start to feel like their skin is clearing up, they feel really it's a happy, positive change. So those are the two things that I feel like are really obvious. It's not like something that I think this or I think that. It's like you can look at a photo or you can chart your cycle and look at it compared to what it's been doing over the six months before and all of a sudden you start looking at your period app and you start seeing like a shortening of a cycle and a more regularity. So those are really great signs. Uh, Then obviously there'll be things like when people make lifestyle and, and dietary improvements, things like less cramping around their period might even be that their periods are less and not as heavy as they have been, that they were sort of flooding a little bit before and now they're, they're not as heavy as they were. Sometimes it can be that they used to get a lot of blood clots and now that has reduced. So there's, depending on what they've started with, there'll be a number of things that they will be able to report have changed for them over a two or three month period. You start to notice those external kind of changes are the changes long lasting it depends if people are to go back to their old ways 
there's a good chance that things will also return back to the way they were. The end of the day, these changes are positive changes that they're making to their diet and lifestyle. Their body is responding by changing. And I think at the end of the day, it's demonstrating the body's need to have things be different in order to behave differently. So I guess if you all of a sudden for six months you'd stopped eating sugar and junk food and eating a lot more protein and vegetables and you're going to the toilet every day and then, you know, slowly but surely over the next year all of those bad behaviours that, you know, have caused, you know, you not to have your periods or irregular cycles, most likely it will start to return. The body always responds you look after your body and, you know, we exercise and, and look after our bodies, then hopefully we sleep well and, you know, our skin is clear. And, you know, but if we eat McDonald's all the time and, and don't do any exercise, you know, then we have more inflammation. And I feel like your body it gives you not immediate responses, but, you know, the way that, you're, that you behave and what you do is reflected in, in your cycles and in, in your body. I think one amazing thing that patients benefit from from seeing you, Georgia, is that support because I think those changes are difficult, especially if they're going to be long-lasting. And they are a little bit, in some ways, punishing in that some of the things that we do that maybe do contribute to the severity of PCOS symptoms are enjoyable or they fill a void in us to some degree. And to keep it up and restrict those things can be really hard work. I think women do need a cheer squad. I totally agree. It's, uh, it's, I'm in no way trying to make it sound easy. I feel like it is a commitment to looking after ourselves. And I think our, just our general lifestyle and in the Western diet, it's not that anyone is deliberately going out of their way to, to do anything wrong. It's just... I think the nature of our our current diet and lifestyle lends itself to a lot of these problems and we have to sort of really work hard to, and so many people unfortunately have things like PCOS and other conditions that are, are difficult to live with and unfortunately we really have to work at it. And But I think that finding the balance is really important because we want to be able to enjoy ourselves and, and live in a way that we are not always counting everything and making sure and punishing ourselves. But I feel like finding that balance again, going out for dinner, we'll get dessert and enjoy it and shouldn't never have to feel guilty about that. But, you know, what are you doing the rest of the week? Is that something that you're doing every night or in most of the week you're looking after yourself, eating lots of the right foods, lots of protein and vegetables and exercising a few times a week so I think it is really about finding that balance but for a lot of people we have to sort of work quite hard at sometimes rectifying what has been going on and that underlying you know if PCOS has been around and you've been sort of struggling with it for five or ten years whatever it is for you you have to work quite hard to sort of reverse the symptoms and then often I think when people feel good from the changes they are able to manage at least a lot of them because they've seen how they feel and how their bodies responded by making those positive changes and in looking after themselves. It's that feeling when you feel good, you know that you're doing the right thing for yourself. 
But I agree with you. It is hard to sort of, you don't want to feel like you're punishing yourself. You've got to find that right balance of still being able to have the things that you enjoy, but probably just in moderation and, and have, you know, changing the way you think about it. Women with PCOS are at higher risk of getting gestational diabetes. We've talked about how you'd support someone whilst they're getting pregnant. How can you support someone with PCOS through their pregnancy? For a lot of women, because they're in a state of pregnancy that they are not obviously not getting their period in that time and they're not ovulating, their body has a rest and a break from what is sort of the trigger and causing of the PCOS in general. In terms of how do you sort of support somebody in a pregnancy who's had PCOS and in order to avoid the gestational diabetes? Yeah, and also we've talked on a previous episode about the medications that can often be used before pregnancy Mm -hmm. to help someone get pregnant, that they come off, that have managed their PCOS before the pregnancy, that they stop taking once they are pregnant. So where, how can you support them? Diet is obviously a very big part in pregnancy and diet, we know that it's very safe in pregnancy and so making dietary changes and making sure that you're eating enough but also eating the right foods and making sure that you're having a lot of foods that support stabilised blood sugar. Often that's a little bit harder for people in the first trimester when they just need to sort of eat to eat but you know as hopefully if they don't have morning sickness and hopefully as they start to progress through the pregnancy and finding it a little bit easier focusing on foods that are going to really help to stabilize their blood sugar levels so lots of protein type foods things like eggs and animal products are really very helpful for vegetarians things more like legumes and and beans, tofu, things like that, but really focusing on protein-type foods to help stabilise blood sugar. And again, you know, really looking at just a healthy, non-processed diet. And then, of course, there's, you know, a lot of minerals that you can take, things that I mentioned before, like magnesium, that are safe under guidance of a practitioner. But pregnancy is a time where you need to be a lot more careful with what you're doing. And so really have to be careful with herbs so it's really important that people don't just go and buy things over the counter uh, when they're pregnant because herbs are one of herbs are a medicine there are times when herbs are really useful also in pregnancy and but I would say more mineral and vitamin supplementation and dietary changes can really help with what you're talking about in terms of helping support somebody who has had PCOS and then to try and avoid the potential of gestational diabetes and that sort of situation. Obviously, there are plenty of women who have PCOS who don't go on to have, you know, gestational diabetes and will have a healthy pregnancy without any issues or complications at all. But having that sort of Mediterranean-style, high-protein, lots of vegetables, lots of really good fats will really help to support that. Thank you so much, Georgia. If you do need help with getting pregnant particularly and you are suffering from symptoms of PCOS or if you have PCOS, even if you're not trying to get pregnant but you'd like some help with your symptoms, we'd highly recommend seeing Georgia at Women's Health Melbourne. And if you are waiting for an appointment with a doctor at Women's Health Melbourne, we'd highly recommend considering seeing someone like Georgia to try and get the ball rolling because these diet and lifestyle changes that we've talked about are so helpful and they do take a bit of time. So we can use that time 
really productively. Georgia, how can our listeners find out more about you? There is lots of info on the website of Women's Health Melbourne and also on my website, um, naturopathgeorgia.com.au and follow Women's Health Melbourne. There's lots of, uh, always lots of great resources on Instagram and Georgia has done some other wonderful episodes with us about managing stress and fertility. So we'll put links to those in the show notes too. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Join us on Instagram at Knocked Up Podcast and at Dr. Raylia Liu, or email us your questions to podcast at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au.